How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to 19-Year-Old Shrink. This is Will John Grande. Today's episode is about how our decisions are subconsciously influenced. And I almost want you to think of this episode as a summary of Dan Arley's TED Talk, which I've attached in the show notes. But I'm going to use the examples he used and then go into how I've seen this in play in my own life and what these subconscious influences can mean for us. But Dan started off his TED Talk asking the crowd to look at two tables on the screen. One that looked obviously longer than the one to the right, which looked obviously shorter. The crowd was asked which one was longer, and almost everyone said the one on the left. And so did I. And I'm sure you guys might have been able to see this graphic before in your life. But then he began to describe that it was a spatial visual illusion that our eyes couldn't pick up on, which influenced our reasoning of why that table was longer. But later on, he was able to show that the two tables were the same length. Another example that he was using was the Rubik's Cube. He pointed to one tile that looked brown and then to another tile that looked yellow based on the angle and asked what the colors of each were. The audience responded accordingly, but then he revealed how the angle brought an illusion to the crowd, which led to us becoming deceived. He used these two examples to show that sometimes illusions force our mind to make decisions based on that limited information. And since this is happening with simpler spatial factors, it isn't surprising to understand that it happens even easier for those cognitive illusions as well. Another great example of this is the illusion, my wife and my mother-in-law, that famous, famous illusion that you know definitely trips up a lot of people. So basically what it is, is some people see a young lady turning away and others are able to see an older woman looking defeated and facing outward. There are so many different ways in which visually we can become deceived without even knowing it, which sets us up to become an even more deceived cognitively. Some of the examples Arlie uses is with organ donation. So let's keep it going. This one was absolutely fascinating. He showed a bar graph with countries on the left side showing the lower percentage of individuals that donated their organs. And the right side of the bar graph you saw the complete opposite where almost 90 to 100% of individuals donated organs. And a lot of the countries on the left and right side had similar cultural values and beliefs. And usually people would attribute differences in those to being a factor. But with a similar cultural atmosphere, why was this happening? And it all came down to the way the form at the DMV was phrased in the different countries. For the DMVs that had the option check the box below if you want to donate organs, these countries saw a smaller percentage of people that did. The reason being, it was treated as an additional feature rather than the standard. For the countries that had check the box below if you don't want to participate, individuals felt more like it was the baseline and that they would be doing less if they ended up checking the box. As a result, they decided to not check off the box and those countries saw an increase in their organ donations. Another example he uses, and I always love the quote by Tony Robbins that states, complexity is the enemy of execution. When people are faced with more complicated and intense decisions, they naturally gravitate to the easier decisions that require less time and energy. And the physician example is a perfect case for this. A physician is working with a patient that has a bad hip and is about to send them to get hip replacement. But then he realizes that they still haven't tried ibuprofen. So they can either send them back and try that last option or send them to get their hip replaced. It was a lot more likely that they tried the ibuprofen before sending them to get hip replacement. But 
when they realized that they hadn't tried two medications, I forget what the other medication was in the example, but they were more often to send the patient straight to get their hip replaced, which is crazy. And the reason being is that they saw that it would take more time and energy. And as a result, sending them to that surgery was no extra effort and it would have just been easier. So I could think of another example of this in my own life. Uh, we were looking for a house for the school year last spring, and we almost had a townhouse that we're actually currently in. But our real estate agent originally said he had one more house option to look at before pulling the trigger on that townhouse that we wanted. And we were scheduled to tour that house before choosing the townhouse. Then he said there was another house we could look at. This sent us the message that we had another decision to make before choosing the house we are currently in. So instead of having that one other decision, we had two other decisions to make. More complex, more time gone, and we needed to make a decision soon. So we ultimately decided when faced with the two choices that we would go with the townhouse. And that's why we're here now. And another example that I loved was how having an obviously worst option influenced one decision once that option was removed. His example involved online and print subscriptions. So I forget what the numbers like exactly were. It's hard to take in all that information, but there were three options. The first option was online subscription was like $50 in that range. The second was print, which was around $100. And then there was an online and print option, which was also $100. So here you're like, why the hell would someone choose the second option? And that's how other people reacted as well. As a result, 16% of the buyers chose the online subscription, 0%, 0% chose the print, which is understandable, and 84% chose the online and print. But once you remove that second option, the numbers changed drastically, almost flipped. 68% of the buyers bought the online and 32% bought the online and print. When there was an absence of the print option, the online and print option didn't look as great of a deal. And as a result, the numbers changed because they were either going to get that deal or the one that was a lower price. And they didn't have that other method of comparison. So that influence wasn't there as well. Now, with all these examples, it's almost startling to see how much our decisions are influenced without us even realizing it. So what can we do with this? We can approach certain forms or certain phrasing with an expectation of it influencing us and then make our decisions more consciously. This is not to say that we're doing something wrong the original way, but it's just something that we might not have been as aware of. And with this knowledge, we can begin to understand relationships between things much better. The similar cultures that have been very different among donor rates is a prime example of this. We can begin to see that even if there isn't a pattern at face value, that there might be phrasing or other factors of some sort that are influencing us. So with that, I hope you took a lot away from this summary of Dan Arley's talk and a couple little pieces of information from my own life that I related back to what he had to say. If you want to reach out to me, my Instagram page is 19-year-old-shrink, although I'm not 19 anymore. And my personal page is WJG23. But thank you so much, everybody, and have a great rest of your day. Take care.